So something I know about you and something I know about me is if we are excited about something, we want to share it. Like if you see a movie and it's just so awesome, you want to tell your friends about it. If you eat at a restaurant and it's like the best food, like you have the best steak, the juiciest steak, cooked medium rare just the way the Lord would ask for it, you have that steak, you want to tell others about it. Like for example, I this week had my first acai bowl. Anybody ever had an acai bowl? Okay, two of you. Good, great. So they're, they're catching on maybe. So an acai bowl is like this bowl that's full of like acai berries and other stuff and a lot of the stuff I didn't even recognize but I know it's healthy because it's an acai bowl but it was good. I was like this is all I loved it. It was great but I can't I can't eat them all the time because they're they're expensive. Like they are spendy if you don't if you don't like for me to make those a regular part of my diet I'd have to get a part-time job or, or start stripping catalytic converters off of vehicles. So, and I don't know how to do that, but I got friends that do. So anyway, so, but you, we want to tell people, don't we? I wrote down, we share exciting news. We share with our family. We share uh, stories about our kids. We post pictures on Instagram about our vacation. Some of you post too many. And then you preface it by saying, warning, photobomb. And as you type that, that should be a warning to you. Don't post it, okay? Ain't nobody got time for that. So, we share with friends. We share with family because friends are important. Family is important. But let me ask you a question by show of hands. Uh, how many would say faith is important? Well, yeah, we're in church. Come on, you know the right answer. Faith is important. Gee, God said it. I mean, the, the word of God says, love the Lord your God. Like, before your friends, before your family, love God. With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? So faith, we I mean, biblically speaking, it would be faith and then family or friends. You know what I mean? It, there's an order to that. So, so if there's an order to it, and it's supposed to be the most important thing, it, it really begs the question, because we share about friends and we share about family, but do we share our faith? Like, when is the last time we shared our faith, you and I? When is the last time, like, think about it, when is the last time you were invited someone to, to a place of faith? To maybe church or an event that's focused on Jesus. When is the last time? See, it's convicting, isn't it? I, I, I think there's a disconnect. And I think it's common. I think, like, like, when you raise your hand and say faith is important, I don't, I don't think you're making it up. I don't think you're lying. I don't think I'm lying. I think it is. But I think that it's, a, I think there's a disconnect when it comes to it being important and it going out to others. And I think it's easy to make an excuse, say excuse, right? I thought this series was done last week. God said, no, it's not. We're going one more week because this might be the biggest one yet. Because I've been guilty, and maybe you have too, of making excuses not to go there. Oh, they probably don't want to hear it, or probably, it's probably not politically correct, or whatever the case is. But the series isn't called Make Excuses. It's called what? No More Excuses. So, so this is, oh, this is going to be good. Because Jesus, there's a model in the word of God, and maybe you've never seen it, a model to, to share your faith in a non-weird, non-evasive way. Jesus gives it to us. But even before I get to that, let me share something. The last words Jesus ever spoke, you know, so Jesus, uh, spoiler alert, Jesus died on a cross for you and for me. Three days later, he rises from the dead. Like, he, pull, he pulled that off. Really amazing. And then, and then after doing that, um, Jesus actually uh, hung out for 40 days. 
And after the end of that 40 days, Jesus lifted himself up into heaven, which is where he physically is right now, sitting at the right hand of the Father, talking about you, praying for us. It's awesome. So, but before he ascended, here's the last thing he ever said. Acts 1.8. You're going to receive power. Now, he's talking to you and to me and the disciples there that day. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And the Holy Spirit has come. He's upon you. The question is, is he in you? And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. Say everywhere. I need you talking. Everywhere. In Jerusalem, where we're at, through Judea, the surrounding area, over in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. All the way there, Jesus? All the way to Omaha, Nebraska? Yep. All the way over to Council Bluffs? Especially there? Yep. Share the faith. Share me, Jesus says. Go everywhere. It's the last thing he said. See, the church's mission, your mission and my mission, is to share the message that Jesus told us to share. That's the church's mission. Not just like numerical growth. That's a byproduct. But, but it's about the saving, sacrificial love of Jesus and the incredible hope that he brings. It's not just good news. It's the greatest news in the world. So we get an opportunity to, to look into Look into how Jesus did it and does it and tells us to do it. Before we get to that, I, I uh, looked at a study this week, a study that many churches in the area, we partner together here, love the unity in Omaha area. And there's a study that was put out about witnessing evangelism, big word for just reaching people. So here's some recent stats that are so important. 96% of Christians... Agree that like sharing their faith is part of, part of being a follower of Jesus. 96% say, you know, part of their faith means to be a witness for Jesus. So pretty much everybody's thinking, okay, I'm on board with that. 80% strongly agree that the best thing that could ever happen to you or me or your friends or your family or your coworkers or the neighbor, the best thing that could ever happen is that someone would, would come to know Christ. The, the 80, 8 out of 10 believe that's the best thing that could ever happen. Now, the third stat is, is almost contradictory to the first one, but let me explain. And this, this, the, the third stat, 25% also believe it's wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone in hopes that one day they'll share the same faith. And you might be thinking, wait a minute, that's, that's odd. That, that's, that's, that doesn't make sense. And actually, at 25%, I don't know if it's on here. It looks like it might be cut off. Oh, there it is. So um, 50, it goes up to 50% with millennials. I think when we hear millennials, we think, oh, it's the, the 18 to 20-some-year-olds. No, we're all getting older. So, so millennials now are 20 to 34-year-olds, roughly. And, for, for, and by, by the way, that's the primary audience of, Meadow, of Meadows. We're predominantly 20 to 29-year-olds at the church. You know, people like me fall right in that category. So anyway, so... Uh, well, I don't know what was so funny. So millennials, 20 to 50 percent. Okay, so let's pause. Half of our, our younger people, which is most of Meadows Church, would say, it isn't right to share my faith with the hopes that you'll one day share my faith. So you got to kind of look. And so rather than like, these young people, they don't. Okay, settle down. So here's the thing. I, I, so going through this message and these stats, I had some millennials in the room with me. So they got to kind of speak into this and help me understand. Because if 96% of people think it's important to share faith, um, th then how can it be 50%? Like, why would you share your faith if you don't want the other person to come on board? It doesn't make sense. But here's the thing. It's how you do it. 
it's, it's, it's our approach sometimes. See, the younger generation, they get a lot right. Like, they understand that it's more about a conversation, and it's more about just a, a back and forth rather than, you should do this, or you need to believe that. And it's not so much a project that you're trying to change or convert, but it's a person that you're having a conversation with. See, that's what they, they understand maybe more than the older generation, and so I think that's where that comes from. But we also live in a world where people get offended easier, too. Am I right? I mean, people get offended easier. It's offensive to instill my beliefs on you in hopes that you'll believe what I believe. It's offensive to insinuate that I'm right, and I am. But it's offensive to insinuate that I'm right and you're wrong. So, but the reality is this. Uh, not everybody's right, right? It's, if there's a right, there's a wrong. If there's a true, there's a false. And, and part of the problem that comes with society, because society is changing, culture is changing, and, and many people now just let people create their own truth, let people just believe what they want to believe and don't speak in, to it at all, or even have the conversation, because your truth is your truth, and what you believe is right for you, and you do you, right? Boo, you do you. And I'm like, no, boo, don't do you. I mean, you are the reason you're in the mess in the first place, Right? It's like, well, that's okay. In all things, God works for the good, and everything happens for a reason. Okay, yeah, and sometimes the reason is we're stupid, right? I mean, honestly, if we think about what some of the decisions that we make. So there is tension in the, the stats. The, the stats also showed, and I won't give you the numbers on this because I don't want to just inundate you with that, but I'll tell you that it's no surprise that many people are de-churching. That just means they're... they're a de de uh, disassociating or detaching from the church and and you could say that the pandemic had a lot to do with it, it the pandemic did accelerate it no doubt and and it exposed it but it was happening anyway it just happened faster many people are deter de de-churching is the word that they use here and and society americans are becoming increasingly isolated this isn't i don't think i'm probably telling you anything that you don't already know the number of americans by the way identifying as christian is is going down every year Every year. So you might think, wow, this is, this is kind of depressing. And I'm not trying to de depress you or discourage you. What I'm actually trying to do is, is help you see that we're living in unprecedented times. Like, like these days, these days are filled, I believe, they're filled with opportunity. I really do. I think these days are filled with opportunity and potential to reach people for Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is still the light of the world. And, and I think there's no better time to shine light than right now through you and through me. This is so exciting. So, so, so should we invite? Yes. Should you share your faith? Absolutely. No one was better at it than Jesus. No one was better at bringing people in than Jesus. No one was better than talking about faith-related issues than Jesus. But you know what? Jesus didn't start there a lot of times. He didn't just start with, hey, come to church. Jesus started differently. In the model in John 4, that's where we're preaching out of today. If you've got a Bible or a mobile app, go there. And uh, I'm just going to start reading it to you because it's so good. This is your model. This is my model to share your faith. Jesus he had to go through Samaria, Samaria on the way. That's interesting. Because the word of God is true, but you got to keep reading to understand the context. Jesus didn't have to go through Samaria, but he had to go through Samaria. We have a, I have a map to show you what I mean. The map is a, 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 gives you a context of what, this, what it looks like. So down below is, is Judea, 
That's the southern part of Israel. Uh, there's Jerusalem right now. You can't see it in this map, but underneath Jerusalem is Bethlehem. That's where Jesus was born. Jerusalem, where Jesus died. That's down below. And Jesus is traveling up to Galilee. You see Nazareth. That's where Jesus grew up in Nazareth. So you're kind of getting a context uh, of Jesus's area that he hung out with pretty much all the time. So Jesus is traveling from Judea to Galilee. So so the normal, the normal route for a Jew would be to go across over to Jericho, across the Jordan, up, and then over. But, but why would they do it the long way? Because they hated Sumerians. Hated them. Couldn't stand them. Because Samaritans, Samaritans were, were, weren't Jewish. They were just part Jewish. They were mutts. The, the racism was happening, just like it's been happening for a long time. So uh, Samaritans didn't like the Jews either. So they were happy they were avoiding them. They didn't want to see them either. So... But, but the word of God, remember what it said? Jesus had to go straight. Jesus had to go up through Samaria. And I'm sure the disciples are like, why are we taking this route, Jesus? Well, it's, it's because that the goal was never Galilee. The goal was a woman that Jesus needed to meet. We'll continue in scripture. Eventually, Jesus and the others came to a Samaritan village of Sychar. As they got there, and this place was near a field, a field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well, maybe you've heard of that. It's there in this area. And Jesus goes to the well. He sits there. He's tired. Jesus was fully human and fully divine. It's crazy. It's hard to even describe. But Jesus got tired. Jesus got weary, the word of God says. So Jesus sat. And the disciples went into town to get food, the word of God says. But Jesus sat by the well, and it's noontime. It's, it's hot out. It's the Middle East. It's warm. And a Samaritan woman comes and shows up at the well for what? Water. Of course, why else would you go to the well? And Jesus speaks to her. And Jesus said, will you please give me a drink? And, and asked her for a drink. And, and it says he's alone because, again, the disciples are gone into the village. We're just getting started with the scripture, but we're, we've already learned two things. Number one, we're learning something about Jesus. Jesus went to the woman. Jesus didn't hang out at the temple and just preach at the temple and stay there and say, hey, we have an outreach event. We got inflatables and we got this and we got that and just come to us. Always come to us. Always come to us. I mean, they haven't been coming in 30 years, but some, some, today we think you might come. So Jesus, and Jesus hung out at the temple a lot. Jesus preached in the synagogue a lot. He just didn't stay there. See, his ministry happened out in the world. That's why I say to you and to me that this isn't church. This is our huddle to come together. But church begins when you leave here and when I leave here. So Jesus went to her. Repeat after me. Say, go to them. Say it louder. Go to them. We, if we're going to reach anybody, we've got to go to them. We have to go to where people are at. And some, like, like do you have any non-Christian friends that you hang out with? Like, uh, where we get, and the longer you're walking with Christ, the more secluded you seem to get, and I seem to get, and wrap ourselves because we know Christians, and we, we got our life groups, and we got all that, and that's all not bad, but it can't stop there. I wrote down, we got to be willing to venture into territory of the unchurched, of the de-churched, of the I don't give a rip about churched, all of them. We got to go where the people are. If we want to enlarge the kingdom of God, we got to get out of our little circle and go to where they're at. We got to get out into like other areas, volunteering in the world, in the community, uh, social clubs, um, public schools. I finally got back in. I st- when I first moved here, I started mentoring um, a, a, a guy as a seventh grader. 
okay, we took two years off because of a pandemic. So I, I'm meeting with him now again at the school every week. He's a senior. I'm like, how, how did this happen? Like, I think he could take me. I didn't tell him that, but I think he could. He's dude's big and he boxes. So I'm like, I don't, I don't lip off to him. But here's what's cool about uh, meeting with him. So he starts talking to me about his boxing club and how it's, uh, they, they do a Bible study. And I, I was like leaning in. I'm like, I said, you have a Bible? He said, no, but I want to get one. And I, I said, I'll send you a, a one that I would recommend and all this. But I didn't, I didn't send it to him. Because after I left that day, God's like, you're getting him one. And you're, you're not just going to get him one, but you're going to get him a nice one, a leather one with his name on it. So I did that. And I was so excited to give it to him. I went there last, meet, we meet on Mondays, and I go there, and I, I didn't give it to him. Because he didn't show up for school. I'm like, you still, well, you still got some work to do, right? So because he didn't show up for school, I took the Bible back and returned it. He ain't getting it. I'm kidding. God, you guys are all serious. No. But we are going to have a talk about skipping school. But he is going to get the Bible. But I'm talking, I'm, I'm, we got to get to places. Like last week, your pastor got to the gym. I made a promise to you. I got there. And I'm feeling it. I can barely hold this mic right now. So I get to the gym. And you need to understand, that's going to be, uh, I, I think, a great place to meet people for me. Like, I, you know how it's going to happen? You know what it's going to happen through? I, I realize this. Pickleball. Yeah. Anybody, anybody know what pickleball is? Yeah, well, I didn't either, but it's, it's like a miniature version of tennis. Like the whole family, we're all going to get involved, right? They're like, well, you've never, okay, whatever. Here's the thing. Do you know how pickleball like, got its name? I, neither do I. Like, if you know, tell me. There is no pickle involved whatsoever, false advertising. I don't, I don't know, but it's, it's fun, and, and I'm going to meet people that way. How are you going to meet people? How are you going to go to them? That's the first thing. I'll give you number two. We're only a few scriptures in. So you have to go to where they're at. you got to start the conversation. You see, it's on us. It's not on them. It's on us. And that, this is where it gets tense. This is where my excuses will come in. Well, what am I going to say? Here's what you're going to say. Probably ask a question. Jesus asked for a drink of water. Now, did he ask for a drink because he wanted a drink? I think he was thirsty. I think he was tired. But that wasn't the primary thing. Jesus asked for the water because he, he, it wasn't about the water. It was about her. See, Jesus cared about her, and he's using it as a segue to get close to her. Like, we have to ask ourselves, I mean, this is gut check time. Do we care about people? Like, do we care about somebody's eternal destination? Like, if someone that we know doesn't know the Lord, they don't have a, they don't, they don't have a relationship with Jesus, the reality is they go to hell forever when they die. If we believe that, and we truly care about people, that should convict us to, to, to start the conversation. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but, but Jesus, he cared about them. And you might be thinking, wait a minute, Pastor. I mean, I care about people, but also, did you know people are difficult? And I'm like, yes, I do. I know there's a reason that Noah only let animals onto the boat. He got it, right? It's, they're not easy, but, but nothing good ever is. So I, I love this. Here's what I put. I put... Jesus cared about people nobody else cared about, and people that nobody else cared about cared about Jesus because he cared about them. If you care about other people, soon they're going to start to care about what you want and what you care about and, and what you do. But we have to go to them first. We have to start a conversation with them. So back to the scripture. Let's go. So, so remember, Jesus asked for a drink. The woman is shocked. She's like, um, Jews refuse to have anything to do with Samaritans. She knows this. Jesus knows this. But Jesus is breaking all protocol right now. He's crossing cultural lines, gender lines, um, historical lines, uh, politically, politi politically correct line. He's crossing it all. 
So she says, you're a Jew. I can see that from looking at you. You know me. I'm a Samaritan. Like, why are you even talking to me? And Jesus said, if you only knew. Gosh, if you knew. He's already getting into it. If you knew the gift that God has for you. If you knew the gift that God has for you. I wonder if you know. If you knew the gift God has for you and you knew who you're speaking to, you would ask me a question. You would ask me and I would answer it and I would give you what? Living water. But sir, she's thinking temporal, I don't have a rope, I don't have a bucket, you don't have a rope or a bucket, this well is deep, where would we get the living water? And besides, who, who do you think you are, by the way? You think you're greater than like Jacob, right, who gave us this well? You think you can offer better water than him? I mean, and his sons and the animals, they all enjoyed it. You think you can offer something better than that? So she's still thinking temporal. But Jesus, notice she just keeps talking and Jesus just leans in. He, he went to her, he started a conversation, and he just listened. And this is, this is possibly the most important thing that you can do, and that I can do, and that we're so, people don't, it's so foreign anymore. Like, we don't know how to have conversations. Like, we don't know. It, it is a struggle to just listen to somebody, not to respond, not to quickly share your point of view, but just to listen. Jesus is just listening to her going on and on. Why are you talking to me? How could you do this? And Jacob, you think you're better, you think you're better than that? You know, Jesus is just like, okay, keep talking, keep talking. If we're doing all the talking, we're never going to understand. We're not going to learn anything about them. We're not going to learn who, what, their, what their hopes are, what their dreams are, what are their aspirations, what are their, what are their struggles, what are their hurts, what are their needs. It's impossible to learn someone's needs if you're not listening to them. It's impossible. We need to give less advice, more listening, right? Less, less talking, more engaging and caring. By the way, do you know what the woman is really asking as she leans into Jesus? Here's what she's really wondering. I, I know she's talking about the well. I know she's talking about Jacob and who does Jesus. But here's what she really wants to know. She's asking two questions. Can I trust you? And do you care about me? Those two questions, I guarantee as you have conversations with people, they may, they may not be saying that like that, but that's exactly what they're thinking. Do you, can I trust you? Do you care about me? Really care about me? But, but, but she's still focused on the temporal. She's still focused on the physical. And Jesus now is, is trying to get her to shift to the spiritual. Because here's what Jesus knows, and this is what you're, you're going to find out right now. Nothing changes unless you tap into the spiritual. So, so what do I mean by that? The, the two things that people will come to the church um, with mo the most for, for needs are relationships and money. It's the two top things. I, I, I can't pay my rent. I can't pay my bills. It's all jacked up. I, I, we're fighting. We're arguing. She doesn't get it. She don't understand that. And I'm sleeping here and she's over there. And So those are the two things. But the issue isn't, the, what, what, we want, what I want to say is the issue isn't that you're arguing all the time. See, the issue isn't that, that you're fighting or she doesn't see your point of view or, or, or you, you know, he doesn't trust you. The issue isn't that. The issue is spiritual. Like, here's the thing. See, those things would correct themselves if you would start to get about the Father's business. What if you start praying together every night? What if you hold each other's hands and pray every night, even in the fight? What if you worship together? What if you serve in the body of Christ together? What if you read the word of God together? See, here's what people maybe don't understand. If things aren't right here vertically with the Lord... They'll never be right here. They never will. As much as you want to make the bills right and make the, the money right and make the relationship, you can try all day long. And it will never happen. N not permanently. Not, not, not long term. 
if this isn't right. And people are scattered doing all this stuff and struggling paycheck to paycheck or relationship to relationship and band-aid to band-aid. And God just waits and says, will you connect with me? Will you get with me? So this is what Jesus wants. She's so, and she keeps going with the temporal thing. She, but it's weird. It's a weird conversation, so you can't blame her. But, but Jesus says, listen, anyone who drinks the water, this water in the well, ma'am, they'll become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give never will thirst again. It becomes fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving eternal life. So he's desperately trying to get her to go here, go here, go spiritual. It's hard for her. Please, sir, she says, give me that water. I'll be happy. I'll never be thirsty again. I won't ever have to come to this stupid well again, get water again. And Jesus can see she's not getting it. She stays with the horizontal. She stays with the physical. She stays with the temporal. And Jesus is desperate to get her to him. So Jesus says something totally, uh, for us, for you and me, it'll seem like left field. It's like, what in the world? What? what, where, what? And Jesus says this. Go and get your husband. It's like, what? I thought this was about, like, the bubbling water and getting a drink. So Jesus says, go and get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, yep, I know. You're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And, and the guy you're married to, or the guy you're living with now, you're not even married to. So, yep, you spoke the truth. And I bet she's like, how in the world? Are you following me on Facebook? Are you stalking me on social? It was Olivia, wasn't it? Olivia's got the biggest mouth. I bet she told you, didn't she, Jesus? And Jesus is like, so what's Jesus doing here? You know, here's what she says. She says, you must be a prophet. You know why she said that? Because Jesus nailed it. Jesus nailed her. Now, is G why is Jesus saying this to her? Is he doing it to make her feel guilty? Look at all the things you've done. Look at the sinner that you are. Look at the heathen that you are. So is Jesus doing that to make her feel guilt? The answer is no. Here's what Jesus is doing. He's doing it so she'll feel conviction. There's a big difference. In fact, there's a world of difference between guilt and conviction. Guilt, here's what guilt does. Guilt will drive you away from God. I feel guilty. I can't, I, oh God, I, I can't. You, you're so good and I'm so not. I'm just going to walk away. You know what conviction does? It will drive you closer to God. At least that's what God wants. And this is so key. Oh my, this is why we're doing the next series, which I'll talk about in a second. Conviction. Okay, here's what Jesus knows about the woman, and he knows about you, and he knows about me. If we don't see we're a mess, we'll never look for a miracle. We won't. If we don't, if we don't recognize we're drowning, we will never reach out to be saved. This is what he understands. So, so the series that starts next week is called The Unsaved Christian. That makes zero sense, Pastor. What do you mean? Because a Christian is saved, and it's like an oxymoron. It's a thing that doesn't go to... Unfortunately, this goes together more than you know. And I'm going I'm to take at least four weeks to walk through this and why this is so good, a good message to invite people to, because we'll be talking about m many of us and how we were, many of us, maybe how we still are, many, how our friends are, how our family is. Well, maybe I'm a Christian because I grew up in a Christian home. I'm a Christian because I, I just believe in God. Oh, I'm a Christian because um, um, I, I was baptized. And, and we'll look through all the different ways of what, what, what the devil wants to do to trick us to believe that we're good. And it's going to be unbelievable. I'm so excited about the series. But, but you know what the key to the unsaved? Conviction. 
The, what, what, what many people are missing, many Christians, Christians are missing, is conviction. Or repentance, you could say. Like the belief isn't the issue. I believe all day long. But I'm not really convicted of my sin. I'm not really, I mean, yeah, I mess up, but who doesn't? And there isn't, there isn't this, this, this brokenheartedness about what we've done. I can't wait for it. So anyway, I don't want to get too into that because we got this. So, 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 so remember where we ended? She, Jesus calls her out about her living situation and the men in her life. And she's like, oh my gosh, what in the heck? You must be a prophet. And then she tries to change the subject, which you would too and I would too. And she tries to ask other questions about where to worship and Samaritans worship here and Jews worship there. And they talk through that a little bit. And then we get back to the story. And the woman's still talking and Jesus is still listening. Not interrupting, but just listening to her go off. And she keeps talking. And eventually you let people talk long enough, you'll get to the real issue. Because what you hear initially with people probably isn't what's going on. It takes time to get real. So she finally gets to it. She says, you know... I know the Messiah is coming sometime. So she knows, it's, it's crazy, she's heard about a Messiah. She's heard about this person, th this man that's going to come, and he's going to make everything right. In fact, that's what she says. The one, you know, called the Christ, I don't, when he comes, here's all I know. He'll explain everything to us. He'll explain about whatever you're talking about, this water, magic water. He'll explain about worship and what to do. He'll explain it all. And Jesus looks right at the woman, looks at her the only way that Jesus can. And he says one of the most powerful scriptures you'll ever read or hear. I am the Messiah. I, I, I can't imagine that moment. It hit the woman hard. You know it did because she leaves the very thing she came for, the water jar. That's why she came to the well. And she leaves. And the word of God says she left the water jar beside the well and ran. Say ran. She runs back to the village Telling who? Everybody. Who? Everybody. Who? Everybody. Every, everybody. Everyone. She couldn't shut up about Jesus. She couldn't. I am the Messiah. Like you're speaking to him. She, I bet she got goosebumps all over. And she, she won't think in water. She runs as fast as she can. And this is, this, is, this is the scripture I need you to hold on to. All of it, but I know it's a lot. So, verse 39 Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because they met Jesus. No. Many Samaritans believed in Jesus because of what Jesus did. No. Many Samaritans believed in Jesus because of what Jesus said. No. They believed in Jesus because of what the woman said. They never met, they'd never met Jesus. The Messiah is still hanging out at the well. The woman... They believe because of the woman. It's, it's, it's because she, what? She went, she ran to them. She started this conversation with them. You're not going to believe this. You're not going to believe this. And then she listened to what they said. She, she goes to them. She, she starts a conversation. She listens. She, you could say it this way. She does her part. And, and, and if you do your part, here's what I promise you. God will do his. If we do what we can do, God will do what we cannot. And the world will never be the same. It won't. They believe because of this woman. They know her reputation. They know that she's the, she's the town. But she's so on fire. 
She's never acted like this. She's never done this. She's never said these things. There's, she's got it. There's something about her that's different. And there was. This is so key. So back to the, back to the stats. You remember 96% of people believe, yep, I, sh- I should be a witness for Jesus. It's important. But, but, how, but the younger generation is teaching us how you approach. And, and, and if they're a project, just forget about it. If you see them as a person and you truly have the conversation, not just to get them to see your way, but to listen and love them and, and, and trust the Holy Spirit might help them see the right way. Maybe you're, maybe you're not seeing the right way and they're going to actually, the Holy Spirit will help you see that. So 96%, 80% would say this. 80% of you that are followers of Jesus would say, my friend or my family, my wife, my husband, my kid coming to know Christ, nothing's more important. So here's the thing, if we believe, and that's called the good news. If, but if you and I believe the good news is truly like the best thing that can happen to somebody, and, and, and we're not sharing our faith, and we're not inviting people to church, then only two things can be true. Either you don't really believe it's good news, and I think you do. Either I don't believe it's good news, or, and this might be more prevalent, or I think the person that I'm talking to isn't going to perceive it as good news. Like, like they're not going to, I mean, I know it's good news, and I get it, and the pastor said we should be, here's a car, but you know what, you might, you might not see it that way, and you might reject the message, or worse yet, you might reject me. But God help us. God help us when we become more concerned about what people think instead of what God thinks. I think if we're afraid of offending people, I think that offends God. And I'm not trying to offend people, and I know you aren't either. But sometimes we're so cautious, and okay, I'd rather say nothing, and then go to hell? I think you should maybe reach out with a card or something and just say it. Just try it. So I get a message this week, you guys, from uh, a leader in our church, and she sends me, uh, oh man, Abel, will you bring me my phone? Is it there? It's on that. Down below? Yeah, thank you. So I get this message, and it's, you want to talk about God's timing? Thank you, sweetie. And the Holy Spirit. So she sends me this, and it, I'm going to keep it anonymous, so I, I just want to respect that. So, but I, I, I thought, oh, the church has to hear this. So her, her group, and many groups are reading in Galatians. So she, she references Galatians 1.10, and she says, well, by the way, I should tell you what Galatians 1.10 says. Did I put it on here? Oh my gosh. I, I got to have somebody that can help me. What's my, okay. I didn't. But Galatians, I'll tell you what it says in a nutshell. Um, am I living for the, it's Galatians 1.10. You look it up and then you'll see that this is what it says. Am I, am I living for man's approval or God's approval? Paul's writing to the church in Galatia and to you and I. So do I live for the approval of you or you or do I live for the approval of him? It's, it's, this is huge. And here's what she said. I'll paraphrase it. Again, keep it anonymous. When I first started my job, I really wanted to fit in, just like you do, and just like I would want to. I wanted to fit in and be like my coworkers, even if that meant going against God. Now, I'm not so scared. And she's referencing Galatians, how it hit her. Now, I'm not so scared to be more vocal about my faith. And today really sealed the deal. My coworker and I were heading to lunch, and out of the blue, she actually brought up the question. See, here's the thing. When you make a statement and you say, you know what? Even in your head, I'm not going to fear people. I'm going to fear God. I'm, I'm going to do what God wants, not what people want. 
she makes a statement to herself, and look, what God, look at the opportunity God puts in front of her. It's amazing. My coworker and I were heading to lunch. Out of the blue, she said, I want to start going to church. I told her I'd love for you to come to Meadows with me on a Sunday. You'll be welcome with open arms. I love that. The conversation continued. Closed it by saying, again, I would love for you to come. And I'm hoping her and her kid comes on Sunday. She makes a statement. And then, and then God says, I can see that you're open and I can see I can trust you. So you don't even have to go to them. For, in this case, I'm gonna send, she's right there. And now because you made the statement in your heart and to me that you're, you're going to love her enough to share something that could be uncomfortable, I'll let her open the conversation. What God, if God sees you're open and God sees you're open-handed with your faith and sharing it and inviting, he's gonna put people in your path. I, I promise you, he will put people in your path. It's not always going to be a home run. It's not always going to be easy. I debated on telling you this story, but I got to live it out. I'm your pastor. Thursday, I'm at the library putting some finishing touches on the message for you. There's a woman sitting at another table reading a book. And I'm, and, and I'm reading this. I, re, I read what I just read to you. And, and I think it was God. You know, sometimes you don't know. It's like, okay, maybe that was the devil. But it was like, hey, Go reach out. And I was like, dang, God's calling me out. And I'm like, so here's, and this is embarrassing, and this tells you that your, your pastor is not all there. I'm like, okay, I get it, God. She's been sitting there a while. I'm sitting here. Here's the deal, God. You know I got to get this message done for you, right? It's for you and the people. That's important. So I'll finish this, and if she's still there, I'll go, right? Condition. God likes when I make deals with him. So... So, so, I, so then I start working on the message very slowly. <laughs> so I'm, I'm finishing the message and I get done. And as I'm finishing, she, she packs up her book and she starts putting her book away. I'm like, well, okay, my, see God, I tried. And then she puts her book away and grabs her phone. I'm like, oh, she's still there. So I'm like, I put myself away. I knew there was no way around it. I said, okay. I'm like, God, what am I supposed to say? He's like, well, maybe ask if, you know, you can pray for her. And this is, like, it's not, I'm a pastor, but I don't, this isn't a normal thing. But it's become, I think maybe, maybe, stuttering, I'm getting nervous. Maybe God wants it to be a normal thing. So I grab my backpack, and I walk up to the, the lady, and I'm like, and how I started is so stupid. God, guide me. Here's what I said. I normally don't do this. I mean, and she immediately grabs her phone and it's like this. I'm like, oh my gosh, why do I say so stupid? Because, you know, she thinks I'm probably going to ask her. And I said, I normally don't do this, but uh, I said, I'm a pastor in the area. And I, 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 believe that I'm, I believe God wants me to ask you if I can pray for you. Or how I can pray for you. Or if there's anything I can, I don't remember. If there's anything I can pray about. And she looks at me and there's this pause that felt like about 15 minutes. And she looks at me and I was like, and I'm thinking, oh gosh, she's going to share it. She's going to tell me, yes. My child is wayward. Yes, I'm in heavy addiction. Yes, my marriage is on the ropes. And I'm, like, and I'm just ready like a warrior of God. I've already broke the ice and I'm standing there. I said, lay it on me and I will pray a prayer over you. And she's like, no, thank you. <laughs> and I was like, I'm like, just, just shot down. Like, she's like, no, thanks. And, and I wanted to say, like, are you sure your marriage is in trouble? Are you sure you're not? I, could, I, I didn't say that, but I'm thinking it. And she's like, no. And, I, and it got awkward, and I said, okay, 
I said, that's cool. I just wanted to, I felt like I was supposed to ask you that. And I said, if I made it awkward, I'm sorry. And I did. So, and, and I said, I, I'm sorry. She's like, no, that's okay. That's okay. So I didn't say the name of the church. So she, she still doesn't know that I'm here. So that's probably good. So, but I just share that with you. I felt like I was being obedient. I walked out of the library. I'm like, God, I hope I never see her again. Because that was weird. But I did, I think what the Lord said, or I listened to the devil. I don't know which, but I have to believe that that wasn't for naught. I have to believe that that did something in her, even though, because remember what I said earlier, the first response from somebody normally isn't the true response. And honestly, who's going to get vulnerable with some weird stranger, you know? She's probably watching the Jeffrey Dahmer thing on Netflix, and I walk up, hey, <laughs> you know, want to come to my house? And, you know, it's just, oh, I, got, I got great timing. So, gosh, oh, Lord, help me. I just, I just want to live it out with you. And it won't always go the way that you want, but that doesn't mean it's not going the way that God wants. By the way, the devil wants you to believe that no one wants you to ask. The devil wants you to believe that no one wants you to go there. What if I told you that most people are receptive to a faith conversation? That's the reality. That's what the study said. And here's what the study also shared. The qualities of someone that would, would talk about faith, they want, they want you to listen without judgment. Did I put that? Yeah, I did. Listen without judgment and don't force a conclusion. That's what they said. Doesn't that make sense with all the stats that we've heard in the way that Jesus spoke to the woman? Listen without judgment. We can do that, can't we? We don't need to force a conclusion. Can we trust that the Holy Spirit can do it? That maybe he's more powerful than we are? That Monty, it was never up to you to convince her or get her to even talk? You're supposed to just do what you're supposed to do and trust that God will do his work and his timing. Here, at the end of the day, keep it simple. Can you go up to strangers and open conversations? You can. And sometimes God's going to ask you to do that, honestly. But here's the, here's the bigger audience for you. And I'm, I want you to keep it simple. Your biggest audience is your family. It's the people in your house. It's your friends. The people that you hang out with. The people that you're drinking beer with. The people that you're watching games with or, or, or having club with or whatever. That, that's who it is. It's, it's the coworkers that you're going to lunch with. That, that's, who, that's who you should be, be following Jesus' formula with, starting a conversation. What are you doing this weekend? Oh, what are you doing? Oh, go to church on Sunday. Just even saying that, 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 that just saying that, it's not as hard as you think, I promise you. And, and, and the more they're going through, the better. If your friend or your family member is going through a tough time, oh, is that the time to lean in and listen? and love, and invite. That's the time. Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. It's not the ones who think they got it all together, by the way, they don't. It's the ones who know they're jacked up. It's the ones who know they're a mess, the ones who know they're not righteous. You go after them. You, the, invite, the invite cards on your chairs are very intentional. Jesus was intentional with the woman. If he doesn't go through Samaria, he'll never meet her. Not that we know of. That's why he had to, remember how it started? Guys, Peter, John, James, I have to. We have to. No, we don't. Jesus, we can go. Be quiet. We have to. We got to go that way. There's this woman. God, let me close there. Jesus meets a woman at a well. He starts a conversation and he listens. And he sees into her life all the brokenness, 
all the pain, all the regret, all the remorse, all the, all the struggle. And he loves her anyway. And he sees all yours and he loves you anyway. And you know what she's thinking, like he called, already called her out. And she's thinking, you, but you know what I've done. You know who I've been with. You know the mistakes I've made. And I think Jesus would say in that moment, yeah, yeah, I know. I know what you've done. I know the mistakes you've made. But your mistakes don't make you. Right? I made you. And he made you. He made you. And he loves you. And you may have given up on you, but he will never give up on you. Not because of what you've done, but because of who he is. The King of kings and Lord of lords calls us out to be him to other people. But you can't give out what you don't have. And some of you walked in here, and you are the unsaved Christian. Or you are the unbeliever, and you've got a mess, and you've got a past, and you've got mistakes. And that's why God brought you here. That's why you logged in. That's why you're watching or listening two years from now. Jesus goes to a cross for you and for this woman and for me. And he dies. Why? Why? Because we're convicted in sin. Because we know we've made a mess and we can't fix it. And no matter how good you think you are or how good I think I am, we'll never fix it. It's, it's unfixable. Except for Jesus. It's why he died on a cross. And I told you earlier, three days later, he would rise from the dead. And that's what separates the Christian faith from any other faith. Millions of people, billions of people believing in other religions. And I, I don't want to say how they're so wrong. I'll just say, say why I think that we got it right. Is because who I worship and who I want you to worship, Jesus, he's the only one that ever pulled that off. Nobody else has. He was dead for three days, and then he brought himself back to life. See, if a guy can pull that off, I'm just, I'm, I want to be on his team. Like, I want that. And, and you can have that. You're saved by your faith, believing in Jesus Christ, being convicted in your sin, not wanting to do what you're doing, not wanting to go there anymore. Just tell God that today. Tell God that now. I'm, I'm sorry. I need Jesus. I believe in this whole story of the death and the resurrection. Set me free. Forgive me. That living water, I want the living water in me. You can have it. And if you make that decision, mark it on the card or tell us. I don't care how you do it, but so we can celebrate with you and love you and walk with you. It is the greatest decision in the world. Eight out of ten Christians are right. There's no bigger decision you'll ever make. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care what how, your job and how high you think you rise and how important you think you are. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, at the end of the day, oh, by the way, I sent Warren Buffett another email. I gave it two years because they basically said, we're going to call the cops. So I, I, I laid off for two years. And you might say, well, why are you? Listen, I want to make an impact. If we can reach a guy like that, I could give a rip about his money. I don't care. But I know if we can reach him, dude's 92. He'll die anytime. He's, 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 he's connected. And I want, I, want to, I want to make a big impact. You'll impact a lot of people. Get that dude saved. But he's no more important than you are. He's no, no, no more important than your friends or family that don't know Jesus. Father, thank you so much for giving us a model. You meet a woman at a well, and, and the reality is, 
Every one of us watching, listening here today, we're that woman. We're a mess. We have a past. Oh, we try to hide it. Oh, we try to cover it up. We dress up and we, 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 we play the part and we'll say the right things, especially in church. But God, you know behind the scenes and you know the wreck that we are and you know where we were last night. You know who, what, we, what we did and how we act. And, but you love us anyway? Yeah, you do. Here's why I think the woman was so excited and ran back to the town and couldn't shut up about you. I think it's because she knew that she was a train wreck. I think it's, she knew that, that, that she deserved nothing good. That's why she's hiding out, going by, running to the well by herself, hoping to see nobody. But she met you, and you gave her value, and you gave her worth, and you gave her living water. Oh, Jesus, who needs that today? As we worship and song, Jesus, I'm praying that people are making decisions People are writing prayer requests down. People will come pray after we worship in song. People will come to the stage and pray. People will go in the prayer room and pray. pray. People will come back at 1 o'clock and pray in the garden prayer room. People will take a step and do whatever you're calling them to do. Our, our, our worship, our faith, we can't compartmentalize it in a Sunday morning. If we're doing, huh, there's a good chance that we're that Christian that's walking around, but maybe not even saved. Holy Spirit, I thank you for decisions being made. Jesus, I thank you for the cross and the resurrection. If that doesn't happen, we never have to ever meet here again. Nothing matters. Nothing matters. But if Jesus resurrected himself on that third day, it changes everything. And here's the thing. He did. And I don't just believe that by faith. I believe it by proof. I, be, I don't just believe it because it's in the word of God. I believe it because one day I was a dead man in my car, addicted to drugs, dead on the inside, a corpse driving a car. Picture that. That was me. And here, Jesus, remember that day? You do. I didn't cry out to any other God or any other entity. I cried out to Jesus Christ. And you saved me. Thanks for hearing my cry. Thanks for hearing our cry. We love you, Father. We believe that in you the best is truly yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray. And the church says, amen. amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for watching today. But don't stop there. I want to invite you to like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, share this message with a friend. I mean, there are so many people out there hurting, struggling, and you have the ability to make an impact in their life. And finally, if, you're, if you live in the Omaha area, I want to encourage you, come join us on a weekend service. We would love, love to meet you. God bless you.